0: Hey, this is Mike Koenigs, and this is the Big Leap. I'm here with Gay Hendricks. And the big question today is, how do you ask for what you fear the most? Gay and I call this meta marketing, gay? Okay?
1: It's how to come at the whole enterprise of marketing from a state of wholeness and alignment. So when you're lined up, the world just falls all over itself, giving you what you most want. And if you're not lined up, you can ask for it till you're blue in the face and nothing happens. So we're showing you a new way of being with marketing your true self in a world that's constantly changing.
0: And here's one of the things that I love most Gay provided two huge questions that will put you in a state of wonder and a four-letter acronym, he calls it FACT, on how to overcome any challenge that stands in your way, including the things that you fear most.
1: Hi, this is Gay Hendricks on our Big Leap podcast, we're going to be talking about something I bet you will be very interested in, even though you might not think you're interested in it. We call it meta-marketing. It's all about how to get in touch with and overcome the upper limits that you have about bringing yourself forward into the world and being successful.
0: All right. And in addition to that, As the subtitle says, it's how to ask for what you fear the most. Because uh Gay and I, before we began recording today, uh we're talking about what is it that virtually everyone I've ever coached, probably you've ever ever coached as well, Gay, who has a problem with asking for money as an example, it's not always money, but also asking for um, for that matter, love or sex can also fit in this. Um, the number one thing that prevents them from asking is generally something rolled up in some old trauma and self-esteem. And I just finished coaching someone who ran a nonprofit right before we began began this uh, conversation today. So, Gay, I'd like you to go down the path because you wrote to me not long ago and you said, Backyard Musings, I'd like to do a podcast on the essence of marketing or meta-marketing and where we dig into the deep fears a lot of people have about marketing. What do you think? And I'm like, hell yeah, I'm all in for that. So why don't you um, take this, take us down a rabbit hole and then I'll give you a couple perspectives as well on the coaching that I provided this gentleman.
1: Yes. Well, one of the things that I do several times a month or as often as I can is um, a two hour big leap intensive where I work with one person one-on-one for two hours. And I, uh, and as a matter of fact, almost no, nobody ever makes it through the entire two hours. They usually get enough by the time of an hour and a half or an hour and three quarters. But uh, it's structured around a two-hour conversation uh, one-on-one. And so I get people applying to that all of the time. And I'm always going over people's applications for that because I can only uh, do a couple of them a month. And so I'm pretty selective about who I um, spend my time with. So... But here's something that I work with all the time, and that's a person who's had some success in the world and maybe making pretty good money and that kind of thing, but they haven't taken that big leap to where they think they could go if they were really bringing themselves fully into play. And so that's the place that I end up working with people a lot of times. And one of the things that I've discovered in doing that umpteen dozens of times over the years is that most people suffer from a couple of big fears that have to do with that. And when I go like this and point to myself, I also used to have that fear big time myself. And let me rewind the clock about 50 years. I'm having a conversation. I'm working. I'm a. Bright young twenty-something graduate student in a Ph.D. program for counseling psychology. I'm about twenty-six years old and kind of in the fervor of having first discovered some of the things that I ended up writing about in *The Big Leap* and other uh, books that I'm known for. And so I was, I was in the heat of those discoveries, and I was just about to get my Ph.D. And I remember one of my professors asked me. Do you want to go down the track of being a university professor with your career or do you want to go down the track of being a private practice psychologist? And I had absolutely no doubt at that time um, that I did not want to sit in an office for forty two hours a week and work with one person after another, even though there were a great many financial rewards to to doing that. all of my former gra- uh, graduate student friends that had gone in that path were already driving around in their new Mercedes and that kind of thing, and I'm still hacking around in my v w bug and so um, but I had no doubt that I, I said John, I want to go down the university professor route, but let me tell you what I'm really interested in. And I said, we're, we know so much about what we know now that I don't think we're in as much of a growth mode in psychology. We're in a marketing phase where we need to figure out how to get these incredibly important things out to the general public. And I remember the look he gave me was like I was speaking an alien language, you know, like, (laughs) let me ask you, uh, uh, you want to be a university professor or not? You know, so he didn't really, I don't think, comprehend what I was talking about. So he just had
0: no brain for marketing, though, is what you're basically saying. Had had no brain for it. it. Yeah. Yeah, it completely went over
1: his head. And this was before there was such thing as Um, you know, Deepak Chopra being on PBS doing a fundraiser and all that. This is way, way before that. And so there was nobody doing what I called rock and roll psychology. I make a distinction between classical psychology and rock and roll psychology. If you notice, classical music is great, but it has to be supported by donors. If they just went by ticket sales, they'd all be out of business in a month. And so they have to mobilize huge amounts of nonprofit money flowing in to do it. Rock and roll, they don't get grants. They have to get out there and play in somebody's garage, and then they have to get out there and play in somebody's basement, and then they go to a pizza place and they play, and they keep working their way up until they're playing in a stadium. And so um, uh, Clive Davis used to say, um, one day you're playing in a club, and the next day you're playing in a stadium. And that's the way rock and roll works. And so it doesn't get foundation support. So it has to go out there and earn its own living. And I was telling John, we need a psychology that goes out there and earns its own living in the world of media. And um, and um what I was really getting at was that is, I didn't know it yet, but it was all these things like PBS shows that. I've been on and uh, other friends of mine have been on. You can see them almost every weekend. Uh, Dan Amen is often on them and uh, JJ Virgin and folks like that. And so uh, there are lots of options now. And there's also tremendous amount of stuff on the web and um, e-courses that you can get. There's such a range of things that's available now that... um, it's made two things happen. One is made more people want to market themselves and bring themselves forward, but it's also made them come up against those fears. And so that's kind of what I want to take apart and unpack and work on um, from my end of things in this conversation.
0: Okay. Um, Yeah, I I love that. So I'm going to go down a couple paths. I think one of them is when I... I can't remember who I was just talking to this past week and they've got kids and they're like "Mm," younger, like 12 years old and the, and they ask, well, what do you want to be? And right now everyone wants to be an influencer. Okay. (laughs) And what does that mean? Yeah. And, and you hear that all the time. So, and they're like, well, what do you want to talk about? What do you want to be an expert on? It's like, I don't know. I just want people to, respect me and want me and buy my things and it's like well (laughs) you know like so there's this whole illusion and on one hand you could say well you know what that's that's evolved to a degree although we don't need more kardashians on the planet in my opinion anyway Mm -hmm. um we know where um and i think part of it went down i i remember now about how um you know, Mark Zuckerberg is talking about creating an Instagram for kids. And it's like, yeah, what could go wrong with that? Right. Right. Um, (laughs) yeah. So here's, here's what I think is interesting about that. So the positive side of it, it's like, okay, right now, if you go back when I was doing traffic geyser and in the early days of the web and when you first could do video, people didn't want to, they're like, I'm afraid to be on video. I don't want to do video. And now we've evolved into a time where it's so commonplace and doing little nugget videos or doing a a FaceTime, you know, the more you see yourself, it's sort of like the early days. I remember when you used to hear yourself on audio, you'd be like, oh, I hate my voice, you know, and you would have a cassette recorder or, you know, if someone would hear themselves on radio. They'd be like, oh, and now it's like it's normalized. Um, the negative is it's sort of like oh I want to be famous but I don't understand what being famous means. It means actually having a skill, a talent, and and again through my lens, um, when I listen to a lot of the music, my son who's eighteen likes, um, you know I think it's just gar- garbage. And and I remember you know you know like these days it's not common for someone to know how to actually play an instrument. Um, so it's done with loops and like it's like the complexity of creating a loop you just buy a set of loops you string them together and everything follows a you know a four four pattern and it's like a dance beat so what does this have to do with what we're talking about is the question and and my point is first of all there's some resolution that i think needs to happen in all of us and in order to have the courage to ask for what it is you want or what you fear the most and again, I'm going to tell you a story. So right before we got on game, I was talking to a gentleman who runs a nonprofit, and it's kind of an esoteric nonprofit that is very spiritual in its nature. It has to do with some Western African philosophies and some teachers and educators, and they built a big library of, of films and videos, and it, it's quite beautiful. Um, and And I get it on an intellectual level, but the challenge they have is Their stories are very heady. Um, There isn't a hook. There isn't like, oh, something to just grab you. And then um, when I listened to him and I said, I asked him two questions. One of them, uh, I said, if you and I were to meet three years from today, what needs to happen personally and professionally for you to be happy with your progress? And then I said, and the second question I have for you is. if you if you could give me a big ask that I can give you a yes or no to, what would that be? And so at first he, he told me a story about what he'd like to have. And in the end um, he said, you know, we've originally raised a certain amount of money. We still have a certain amount of money left, but all of us seem to be always just getting by, you know, he's maybe living in it, but it's clear he's got nothing extra and he lives on very little. And, um, they've got this big vision, this big dream, and it's really to educate as many people as they can about this, this system, um, give away the content. And I said, well, there are two things that need to happen. And there's really three. So one of them has to do with the self-esteem thing, which I'm going to get to last. But the first one, as I said, you need a great hook in a story and it needs to be that, 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 that it's like, For example, and this isn't it, Gabe, but I'm going to do the let's pretend, which is let's pretend it was something like um, the soul of the planet is missing and it's up to you to find it within yourself to heal the planet. Okay. Let's pretend it was that. All right. Mm -hmm. Something along those lines. But it's got to be something that's got a hook, it's got to grab you. And if it requires that you have to provide an explanation, After you tell someone what it is, it's not good, all right? It's just got to be something that is self-referencing and it doesn't require a further explanation. So uh, the second thing is you really need to know who your perfect customer is. And I said, it's not the person consuming your free content. It's the person who can write a check so you never have to think about money ever again. And I said, for example, it really needs to be someone who can uh, write that check. And for them, you are giving them something they've always needed and wanted. And he said, wow, that's interesting. Well, there's someone because they've been training 144 people at a time. They have 12 elders and they educate 12 people at a time with 12 different leaders. He says, one of those people is capable of doing that. And he said, how would I go about asking for the money? And my answer was, well, you don't ask for the money. You help them arrive at wanting to give you the money for you, helping them achieve their greatest goals in life. And I said, I will give you the exact step-by-step script to do that. Okay, I said, but before I do it, the first thing you've got to realize is that more than likely, and, and, and I knew this about him after we talked long enough anyway, was you almost for sure have got some old trauma about your own self-worth that's preventing you from feeling comfortable asking for the money. So just know that that exists. And once you're aware of it, it may not have the same control over you, if, especially if you have a system or a process to guide To be guided through that takes the fear away right and then the other thing is remember that the person on the other end of the question who has a lot of money for example for them they might be more worried about a physical imperfection you know there might be a a mole on their genitals for example that they're terribly fearful about you know or whatever they've got something going on or uh, um or for them they're more afraid of the system failing them or them failing the system in other words they've got some other thing going on it had nothing to do with the money so don't assume that your projected issues and your own ego has anything to do with what's going on with them so with that um I'm going to go through the system and what I went through, but before I just want to make sure that uh, I want to see, cause you always have really fascinating observations. Do you have any comments, thoughts, ideas before I get to the, the juicy bits, at least what I think might be the juicy bits. Yeah.
1: Well, I, I think you're homing in on some things that I'm keenly interested in, and it often has to do with how to resolve fears in yourself, how to, um, Oftentimes, fear comes originally from a physical threat. But now, since there are no more saber-toothed tigers running around as much, most of the things we fear are of our own manufacture. So we fear of rejection on somebody's part. And so then the energy goes into that and our body gears up for that as if it were already true. And so we keep ourselves in a state of high arousal oftentimes doing that. And so for me, one of the key key things is to find a new way of being with your fear so that you no longer fear your fear. In other words, you welcome it as a as a set of information that's trying to flow in rather than something you need to pretend isn't there or rise above or get rid of. So the energy of fear is also the energy of creativity in potential. So if you can kind of welcome your fear rather than try to shut it out, it gives you key information about what needs to happen to move you to the next level.
0: Oh, that's good. That's good. Um, so maybe what we should do then gay is I'll go through the little process. <clears throat> I'll do the, the, the questions to ask, and then you go through how to resolve the physical fear. Because, um, when I hear you describing that, the things that pop into my mind is, um, usually the fears revolve around, I don't know how to do something. So it's just a purely tactical mechanical thing. Um, Or a strategic thing, which has more to do with the mindset. Um, And then there is the fear part, which is trauma. And it could be uh, recent trauma, childhood trauma, or even epigenetic trauma. I truly do believe that that does exist, that we get embedded and impregnated with DNA loaded uh, fears. And, um, you know, poverty consciousness, I think is a multi-generational imprint. Now we can all overcome it, but it, you know, oftentimes poor people make more poor people. Um, ignorant people make more ignorant people. So with that, here's the, here, I'll give you the system, the process, interrupt me at any time. Okay. So the first step, as I said, uh, you've got to ask what is finally known as the R factor question. Also, it's the Dan Sullivan question, which is: Gay, if you and I were meeting here three years from today, what needs to happen personally and professionally for you to feel happy with your progress? Now, the reason for asking that question is it is a blue ocean. It allows to that the individual to step into thinking without barriers and borders and free. And what also happens is they're stepping into an environment where if you're the one asking the question, they may feel as though you could be their guide. All right. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a whole bunch of beautiful, powerful psychology at work, but that's the first one. And it's really important that you write down exactly what someone says and pay attention to the words they use, because we all give away our own fears and our concerns in the words we use. So that's question number one. Question number two, then, is uh, what dangers or fears do you have that stand in your way of accomplishing those things? Same thing. you write them down. I always reflect them back. I took this from imago therapy, which is um, you know you want to use the exact same words back to your partner on what you hear. Mm-hmm. So dangers, what's preventing you? What do you fear? The next one are what opportunities? What opportunities do you feel like you can't take advantage of them right now or you'd like to or things that are standing in front of you that because of your fears or obstacles, you can't do it? And they do blah, 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 blah. And then the third one is tell me about your superpowers or your strengths. And if you could spend 99% of your time doing what you love the most, what makes your soul sing, what you appreciate and what you're best at, what would it be? Assuming you could get rid of the dangers and you could achieve these opportunities. You could just be in your zone, as you would say, in your zone of genius. And then what I like to do is I, again, I repeat back everything that I've heard. And then I'd say, um, I have some thoughts. I have some ideas for you and I'd love to paint you a picture of, um, your life could change would you be open to hearing such a thing everyone's always going to say yes and then what you do is you paint them a picture starring them as the hero in their own movie and you as their guide i like to say is their uh yoda gandalf moses or jesus um guiding them through to the promised land so it's a once upon a time there was someone just like you in fact it's you who got to have exactly what they wanted because a guide showed up that showed them the way and got you there. And then you lived happily ever after. Now I'm being sort of facetious, but for this gentleman I was talking about earlier, I said, if you guide this person through that process and you'd be listening to them and hopefully they're going to talk about the value they've received by going through your coursework and all of that. And the, uh, the impact that they could see themselves providing by being uh, a sponsor um, to this organization and how many more people they could affect with the same stuff that's impacting you so powerfully and you know they they'd see themselves as like the captain of the ship and i said First of all, your self-esteem has nothing to do with achieving their goals and they're going to tell you what lights them up, what their blue ocean is, and also what they fear. You're going to learn a lot more about them. Not assuming that they share, but you know, most people are very very honest when you ask really super direct questions. And if you can help someone, you know, this is classic Dale Carnegie. If you can help someone achieve their dreams, they're going to give you whatever they want. And never project what you think their reasons why they can't are true, you know, and also don't project your values on them. In other words, you don't want to poop in someone else's suit um, is what I like to say. So that's my, uh, my take on this. And um, now I'd love to know how you unravel the energetic blocks and all those psychological blocks.
1: Yes, that's really what uh, keeps people stuck repeating the same old patterns is the fear comes up and then they don't have a tactic for getting through the fear so that it keeps repeating and pushing the same old doubts to the surface. So here's an algorithm I'd like to share with everybody. Think of the word fact, F-A-C-T. The algorithm we use most often for transformation here at our institute is based on FACT. In order to unwind any pattern, first, you have to do the F part, which is facing. You have to face into whatever it is. So if it's fear, you need to be willing to face that in your mind as well as literally in your body, kind of open up a stance of openness to it. The second thing is that we all need to accept something as it is before we can begin to change it. And so the second step after you've faced something is to accept something to the point of even being able to love it as it is. And the reason for that is love is the direct antidote to fear. The more awareness and love you can bring to anything you're scared about, the fear itself, the more it dematerializes and turns into the energy of excitement that's why you hear the phrase "fear is excitement without the breath because um, a lot of people get super scared something comes up that they don't know how to solve and they get they hold their breath and suddenly the excitement turns to fear. When human beings originally evolved, fear was there to mobilize energy and to Um, help you solve a problem that you didn't know how to solve. And so it, it puts your brain into overdrive and tightens up your muscles and gets things mobilized for action. The only trouble in today's world, we're not doing things like throwing stones at tigers and things like that. What we're doing is dealing with the stresses of ordinary life, everything from school shootings to traffic jams to... You know uh, all our physical illnesses that we um, come by from bunions to pandemics, and so we yeah. <laughs> we get lost in the <laughs> uh, we get lost in those um, events, and then don't ever confront the real thing. I don't know, Mike, if you were ever into comic books when you were a kid. Were uh, comic yeah. books a factor when you were a kid?
0: Yeah, I well, loved the, them. Yep.
1: Yeah, well, there there was this one. Uh, it was one original one um, swamp thing, and then there was another one called Man I Thing. Remember. And they okay, I don't
0: remember Man Thing, but I remember Swamp Thing. Yeah, and and it was t- Swamp Thing
1: was teaching you a metaphysical lesson par excellence, and the metaphysical lesson was Swamp Thing would come out of the swamp if it smells fear. But if you kept getting more scared, the more it it empowered Swamp Thing. And the only way to get rid of Swamp Thing was by kind of coming to terms with yourself and owning your power and that kind of thing and getting beyond fear. And then Swamp Thing receded into the swamp. That's the way I remember it anyway. And Man Thing kind of had a similar uh, echo to it. But the metaphysical message there is unless you can face and accept your fear, it has a way of running away from you and causing all sorts of bad decision-making. If you can be with it, face it, accept it, love it as it is, then you get to do the C&T part of the FACT, facing, accepting, choosing, choosing, and then taking action. It's hard to make a choice, a good choice, when you're scared. And so if you can unwind and unhook the energy of fear, ah, you saw me just then take a deep breath because I want to leave you with that thought in a moment that breathing is your best friend with fear. So if you want to dematerialize fear, you've got to make a new move in your body and mind. And the move I suggest is acceptance, accompanied by a very practical step of breathing with your fear rather than holding your breath against it. And a lot of people, when they get scared, take a sharp intake of breath and then hold it like, and that activates the whole fight or flight system in your body. Just that one thing fires off a whole set of fear messages through your body. So what we need to do is breathe our way into fear rather than hold our breath to try to get out of fear by exploring it in an open hearted way, using your body and using your breath. What happens is the fear dematerializes and then you get that sweet energy of creative excitement that's right underneath it. But you got to go through the gates of fear in order to get to that sweet spot of creative flow. When people at come it. here, oh, yeah, yeah, I wanted to say one other thing. Well, oh, yeah. When we keep have going. One of, I'm, I'm yeah. totally with you. Good. So when um, some company plunks down their money and sends one of their executives to us for a day down here, um, one of the first things we have them do is totally something they've never in a million years imagined themselves doing. They go in a room by themselves with no stimulation whatsoever. There's not even a clock to look at. And there's a single chair in the center of the room. And we invite them to, for 10 minutes, to do nothing but wonder about their genius. Hmm. We tell them a particular way to do it. We say, Hmm, what do I most love to do? Hmm, what do I most love to do? And then on another occasion, we might ask them to go in and meditate on a different genius question, like, Hmm what do i do that gives me the most joy and satisfaction per minute spent so questions like that what we call them wonder questions they open up that huge territory i loved your first um Question You ask, though, that that was a really great question because it opens up this vast amount of territory and it also gets the person to think in a time limited way, though. You know, three years, you know, does have an end point to it. Uh, so I think that's a very
0: ingenious question. oh It's um, what's great about it. First of all, everyone always says, wow, that's a really great question. And then. Um, the you know what the, the their classic sales question that one's not so much that it's more and more people are using it but the the dangers opportunities strengths or um the swat you know it's strengths weaknesses opportunities and uh, i can't remember what t-, t stands for um can't remember strengths weaknesses opportunity uh, threats there it is those right. are the dangers um but being able to bring it down to three is easier, I think. What you just did, um, Gay, going back to what what I love, first of all, tying it back to, isn't it funny how everything always ties back to the breath? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> like wow. And then um, these open ended questions. Here's something I learned. I don't remember. Who. I think it was a Dan Kennedy marketing thing. If it wasn't him, it was someone else. And here's how it goes. The first to diagnoses the di- diagnose the disease is the first to be um trusted with the cure. Now here's what's important about that. In any situation, as long as you're the one asking questions, you're always the one in control and in charge. And that also means when you're in control and in charge of asking yourself questions. I believe you can be in charge of your fears. In other words, um, now that there are two sides to fear, which is some of it is the thinking fear and that's the looping egoic fear. And then there's the feeling fear. But as you were talking right now, what I felt into that is if you can be breathing into your fear, you can at least control the, physical experience and whether or not you're popping into it i mean i'm sure if there's a tiger outside your door you know you're gonna have, yeah. that's that's a real fear right let's take that or fire or whatever something that's a, a mortal threat but then your mental fear which is where our anxieties are often come from that's mental loop looping where you're out of now you're either living in the past or you're focused on the future and more often than not that's Fear of not being enough, not having enough, running out of those kinds of fears. Pretty typical common. And um, getting back to what you just said, when you have wonder questions, I'm going to repeat them. It's what do I most love to do or what do I do that gives me the most joy and satisfaction per minute spent? That does get us back into um, feelings, Um, feeling questions, which are definitely powerful. And I believe when you are guiding someone there, in other words, when this isn't a solo exercise, um, people who feel as though you are bringing them somewhere without having an agenda, in other words, they're not being manipulated, are a lot more likely to fall into and be in a trust state, which is, again,
1: go ahead. Yeah, that that just, uh, excuse me for interrupting, but it just brought forth a memory of the first time I gave a talk and someone came up afterwards and told me they wanted to contribute something to me. Um, And I thought of that moment because there was something about the way I was speaking that made that happen. And, it, and I, as I analyzed it later, a guy named John came up to me after the talk and he said, I really like what you're doing and what you're saying. How can I help? And I found out that he was a wealthy fellow from the Midwest and that um, the way he wanted to help was with money. And at first kind of you know, I, I couldn't quite relate to it in a way. But then when I went back and I thought about it, I said, of course, because it was the first time I remember in public kind of speaking from my heart about what I was most passionate about and all of the things I was learning at the time about body centered work. And I, I had developed my system of breath work at the time. And I was kind of on fire about that. And so um, I think there was something about the way I was putting myself forward that elicited this natural response of him wanting to make a contribution. And the first thing that uh, popped into my mind was uh, that we needed $1,500. This will tell you how far back it was to leased this building that we wanted to uh, <laughs> do right, my work right. in. <laughs> and this was at a time when gasoline was 25 cents a gallon. So take anything I say and multiply it times 10 or 15, any number right, right. Uh, from that time. But um and he said, sure, you know, and I remember it was sort of I, I felt a little nervous about it. You know, that seemed like a pretty vast amount of money to me at the time. Um, and The kind of the quiver in my voice of of saying, yeah, that we could really use that right now. But it was no big deal to him. I could have probably said 15,000 and he wouldn't have flinched. But uh, that was the first one that came out of my mouth. So uh, it did inspire me, though, to make sure I was speaking from the heart whenever I was out there in the world. And you know, now I uh, we have a nonprofit foundation that I raise money for in my spare time. And you know, by this stage, I've raised millions for that. But I uh, still feel the same quiver in my voice sometimes that I need to get through by taking a few deep breaths when I'm saying, "Hey, you know, we could really use $125,000 for this project that we're doing."
0: Yes, and that that is a great. Um, so I'm going to just decode that which you just said. Effectively, the moment you started really speaking from your heart, and people can feel that resonance, that feel that truth, um, they're drawn to that. I, I really do believe that that's something that we as humans are always drawn to feeling the vibratory patterns of truth in much the same way when you meet a great artist and I'm going to speak specifically of a singer and they are truly embodying um, their greatness and their truth. And they're these resonant beings. They're magical at that time. And um, you know, I I was listening to um, an interview this weekend, uh, an interview by Demi Lovato, who's a pretty famous uh, singer. And she's, she was talking about her challenges with addiction. She's had a lot of problems with addictions and drugs and and everything. But what she said that really resonated is how she thinks of herself as an instrument. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, and she says, my body is an instrument, not just my voice. And she inhabits herself as an instrument and she really understands the distinction of, you know, there's something really annoying is when you're an a entertainer and then you get political and you start telling people what to do. And like people are like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to I don't care about your politics. I don't care about your religion. I just want you to be what you are to me. And uh, I Mm -hmm. think a, a lot of famous people have a problem with being a symbol. Um, so I, I'm going off on a little bit of a tangent right now, but I think there is something to be said for the purity of the instrument that the voice comes through and maintaining the illusion for the, the individual you're interacting with to, to have a role. It's sort of like, you know, no one wants to see the the king naked and, uh, and crippled. You're going to want to see them in the state of power that they're in and be representative. And so um, going back to the the original statement, the question of um, meta marketing and asking for what you fear the most, um, I think inhabiting an, an instrument and maintaining integrity of the instrument is, is important and uh, building character within that. And also having a system, having a process, remembering to breathe. And also remembering to um, encourage, whether it's you or someone you're working with, to stay in a state of wonder um, and power. So that's at least my uh, slippery way of trying to put all these pieces back together. But what's your um, if you're going to summarize the the big learnings you've had in this, what would you say they are?
1: Well, I think one of the things we're really talking about is being ourselves and being in a state of alignment in ourselves where our mind and heart are lined up and where we're also lined up with our chosen purpose and our highest intentions for whatever you want to be communicating at the time. I think people hear that on a vibrational level much more oftentimes than they hear the actual words you're saying. And so I think coming into that state of alignment, overcoming and breathing into and being with the fears that are behind all of those upper limits is the most direct thing you can do at any given moment in order to break through down to that place where you're being guided with the pure flow of your creative intentions.
0: Wow. Um, That was a heavily concentrated... (laughs) Ah uh, statement um, i I'm still digesting it um and fortunately, I'm transcribing this in the background so I can read it simultaneously but um i I think you're absolutely right. I was just listening to someone um last week talking about how body language has more power over what you say. Um, in other words, the words you say. And I think that's why when, you know, when you think about podcasts, audio podcasts have a certain amount of power. Audio books have a certain amount of power. As soon as you start moving into video, there's a lot more complexity and nuance to a performance. And I think if you watch someone, Versus listening to them, you might have a completely different takeaway because Mm -hmm. if their body language could be incongruent with what their voice is saying, um, it's a completely different experience. So um, I don't know why what you just said hit me so hard, but um, it deserves more thought Mm -hmm. than. I think I am incapable of even giving it right now. I hope uh, our listeners or viewers can comment on this. But, um, well, where, where should we go from here? Um, well, I think what can- we should do, Mike, is uh, let's designate another session
1: of this to go even deeper because I've got tons of more ideas about uh, how to market yourself from a place of real integrity. And I want people to hear that because I keep running into people that, are awash in the fear of how to bring themselves forward in an effective way. And uh, I know you're a pro at that. And uh, so I want to... Um Put that into play on another whole episode, because I know we don't want to end up with the world's longest podcast here today. So we, let, let's just uh, leave people in a wonder question about, hmm, how can I bring myself forward in a way that has the absolute maximum positive impact and results in the greatest financial abundance for me and my team?
0: I love that. Well, that's what we'll do then. We'll bring this one home. And here's what would be awesome is if you, uh, our viewer, listener, would um, send us a message. You can head on over to bigleappodcast.com. There you can leave a message. You can certainly post it in the comments, both in the podcast or on uh, YouTube if you're watching us. And the, oh, by the way, I have for you, which is a very direct ask, is if you'd like to spend some time with Gay and I, doing something we call the Big Leap Year. You can learn more about that at bigleappodcast.com slash apply, or just there's a button on the homepage and learn how you can work with Gay and me in helping you overcome some of your biggest challenges and achieve some of your greatest ambitions and goals and spend more time doing what you love the most or in a state of the most joy and satisfaction. And the other way, of course, is you can text us. It's a great way to stay in touch with us by sending a text message to 858-434-5316. And if you send BL, just text the letters BL, which stands for Big Leap, you'll get a free guide from us and some more great information and be able to stay in touch too. So, Gay, how would you like to wrap this one up? I'd like to wrap
1: it up by having people take a big breath of loving acceptance for everything they feel, any doubt, any fear, anger, sadness, joy, the whole works, and say goodbye from a place of accepting yourself as a whole person
0: i love it well thank you gay and thank you for listening and watching we'll see you in the next episode